0: quick note that today's podcast includes discussion of suicide if you or someone you know needs help connect with the teen to teen crisis and helpline oregon youth line at 1-877-968-8491 or the national suicide prevention lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 and now here's soups on with superintendent cook
1: Welcome to the Soup is On podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Cook, superintendent of Benlapine Schools. On the Soup is On podcast, we talk about all things public education, specifically as they relate to our Benlapine schools and the greater community here in Central Oregon. Today, we are talking about a really important issue in our community, uh, our LGBTQ plus community within our schools and what we do specifically to support them. Uh, we are having this conversation right now because the month of Jude is Pride Month. And it is also a time to celebrate the identities and contributions of the LGBTQ plus community and to stand with that community against injustice and discrimination. And let's start by just stating right up front, that the support we have for our staff and students who identify as LGBTQ is not up for debate. Uh, It can sometimes feel like we've come a long way when it comes to this, uh, especially from where I sit as somebody who grew up in the 70s in a small town in Western Kansas. Uh, But we have so much work to do in this area. Um, What we're here today to do is to celebrate that conversation and to get to dig into a deeper level. And uh, we've got some folks here on the podcast today that we are really excited to get to know more about and and hear things from. Now, one of the things I wanna start with is uh, some of the data in the research uh, that that brings attention to and helps me to recognize that we have so much work left to do to protect our students in our community. Um, Nationally, 45% of LGBTQ plus youth seriously considered suicide attempts in the past year. That's four times more than non-LGBTQ youth reported. Additionally, uh, approximately 20 percent of the students in our middle schools and high schools uh, identify as LGBTQ plus in our schools and so we're talking about a large portion of our community that live and go to school here in the Ben Pine School District. Now, that number, the number of students that are maybe struggling with depression or identity issues or that would be considering suicide, um, that number's actually going down in schools and in communities where students feel like they're part of the community. And so that's part of why we're taking this topic on today is we wanna make sure and establish that we want and aspire to create a community of inclusion and belonging in every single one of our schools. In the Benlapine schools, we see struggles for some kids, um, that, that are struggling with identity, that are, are some students that don't have any struggles with their identity. So this is a work in progress. And part of what we want to make sure of is that we say and people hear us say, we affirm you just as you are, come as who you are into our schools and we will acknowledge you and identify with you and support you in that entrance. It is so important for our students to hear and know and understand that we are there uh, to support them. One of the tangible ways we offer that support in Ben Pine schools is through GSAs at our secondary schools. Uh, today, I'm very thrilled to be joined by Mark Koopman, High Desert Middle School teacher, longtime ally and advisor for the school's GSA club. Welcome, Mark. Glad to be
2: here. I'm glad to be having this conversation. It is amazing.
1: Additionally, we are joined by three students, uh, Charlie, Quincy, and Will, who are all part of
3: that club. Welcome to each one of you. Hi, I'm Quincy. I am from Ben Senior High School. I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad I got to have the uh, opportunity to be here and talk about what I think is important.
0: Uh, Hi, I'm Will. I I really do think this conversation will be important to hear for a lot of people, so glad to be here.
4: Hi. It's nice that there's people talking about this.
1: All right, Mark. Mark, is it okay to call call you Mark, or would you prefer I call you Coop? Coop is preferred. Thank you. Okay, you got it, Coop. So how long have you been working with Menlo Pine Schools? And tell us, tell our listeners what you teach here.
2: 20 plus years in the district, 20 plus years in this school. I am a health teacher now. I am actually a classically trained mathematician and started my career off in mathematics education. But social emotional development of middle schoolers really drew me to to health class. And layered in there is this topic of working with career youth.
1: Tell us more, a little bit more about that. When did you first get involved with GSA, and what, what prompted you to go that direction, or how did that come about?
2: Well, I've been involved at, in our theater program here since I started, and for a long time, our theater club was also the, the GSA. And just real quick, let me pause there and give a kind of a, a definition of what a GSA is. So we use that term overarching to refer to queer clubs, queer student clubs in our school district. GSA's way back originally started off as a group, um, people my age would hear it as gay straight alliance. It has morphed into gender sexualities alliance and there are different names for different clubs at our schools. So when we use the term GSA, we're just referring to a queer student club. And so, like I said, the theater program, really, the theater club was the Queer Student Club here at High Desert for many years. And about six years ago, a student made the bold choice to transition mid-year and started our first GSA here with the support of another colleague. And it has become what we've referred to here as Saga, Sexuality and Genders Alliance. It's been an amazing growth and an amazing place for for students to be.
1: So amazing growth or amazing place for students. Talk just a little bit about where it started from and why a club like this is important and why it needs to exist in our schools.
2: That safe, affirming place where students can go and be themselves is invaluable. We had that first year three or four students that would regularly come to the student club meetings. Now we ebb and flow in the neighborhood of, you know, 20 to 30 kids and they meet here at High Desert at lunch at their own time. It's volunteer, they come in. And with that, it's been, as an advisor, one of my goals. And this is something that kind of guides me in the way I I look at having a GSA on a club. Often, queer kids are going home to a place that doesn't have their culture. When you think about some of our, our other subgroups, when they go home, they go home to their culture often queer kids go home to supporting loving families that know nothing about queer people, queer culture, queer history, any of that. And so to provide that connection for them is a grounding piece and it's a, it's a major compass for me.
1: So we're, we're recording this today at High Desert Middle School and um, some folks might feel like middle school is too young to be talking about uh, these kinds of issues. Um, I'm certain you've had that reaction at times. How do you address that? How do you, Coop, how do you get people to acknowledge that middle school isn't too young for us to, to engage in these conversations?
2: It is a major growth time with the onset of puberty and everything that's happening during the early adolescent years. That's when our sense of self, our sense of identity really starts to to peek through and we are better able to understand it. That's where I start with a lot of conversations with with adults but I think really I need to punt this question to to the students. What would you say to an adult who said middle school's too too young to have a, uh, a GSA. Kids don't
1: understand. Coop, I love that idea. I would, I would really enjoy hearing from the students um, what this felt like uh, at either middle school or why their peers or why there would be value to have these conversations starting as early as middle school. Quincy, let's start with you.
3: Yeah, so I think that kids, when they're young, even before middle school and puberty, they start making choices about their identity and they analyze everything around them. Like, for example, your kid probably knows that your aunt smells like cabbage. That's an identity, that's an assertion they've made. So um, them branching out when they hit puberty and they start making decisions, maybe not about the people around them, but starting about themselves, I think it's a really critical time and to have the ability to do that and to embrace it is super critical because a caged bird will not fly.
1: Well, how about you? What did you have to add?
0: Um, I think that it's just really important, especially where I was going to middle school, a lot of kids were starting to make a lot of decisions about their identity, really just for experimental purposes, as in to maybe further understand how they feel. Um, so, me personally, I didn't make any of those decisions until I was in high school. So. I definitely do think it's still important in middle school, though, because just as someone who's developing, who's hitting puberty, like, we're really starting to figure ourselves out and, like, really kind of delve into the world of who do I want to be? Who am I? So having a GSA for students who do identify as queer is really important just to allow for a more inclusive community within those schools, because without that, it would be really hard for a middle schooler who does identify as uh, someone who is queer to really express that feeling and kind of just feel more welcome inside of their middle school community. Charlie?
4: Yeah, I think it's really important for students to feel like they can be themselves at school because like sometimes at home you can't do that and if you can't be yourself at school or at home that can be really difficult.
1: Charlie, you mentioned what it's like at home. Sometimes um, I get I get pushback from community members. Some of them are parents, uh, just some of uh, folks who feel like that the district or the schools are are overstepping their boundaries by having clubs like this in schools because the parents should be the one that is expressing um, what their students should be exposed to. Um, what do you guys think about that what is the what are your thoughts when it comes to whether or not this belongs in school Um, I fight for it um, but this is also a value statement that the community has to make uh, make a statement about and so we want to support that what would you say about people who think that parents should be the only one that is creating that environment Charlie
4: I think that it's good for the school to provide support because Well, you don't normally see parents going through school curriculum and saying oh they shouldn't learn this and they should learn this it's more of just oh yeah if the school can support it they should but for this it's different and i think that's because of the subject matter but i think it's very important that it's here for people people should be able to make their own decisions even if they're kids
0: Uh, For me personally, I think that there is sort of like a, um, specifically around queer youth, there is a nasty stigma that comes with having feelings of homosexuality or wanting to express a different gender in yourself. I feel like a lot of people kind of toss that off as like, oh, this kid is... Not being taken care of at home or whatever else when rather it's really just at least from what i've seen and experienced it's more just experimentation it's really it comes down to the bare bones of who am i as a person when i ask myself these questions and when my friends ask themselves these questions it isn't a question of am i gay am i not gay it's who am i what do i like it's less of a question of do i have to be this like there is something wrong with this it's more like this is how I feel, this is, this is what I like, and the fact that people are saying that we shouldn't have this in school and that like this is none of school's business is kind of a step backwards from that. To have like a GSA at a school and to have that resource be offered to students is really important because it not only provides help and support, but it also gives them an open social community to talk about those things in where they normally
1: wouldn't be able to. Thanks for that, Will. Quincy, do you have anything you'd like to offer to that?
3: Yeah, I also think GSAs are important in schools because schools aren't just about academic learning. It's about social learning and preparing for adulthood. And being individual and gaining opportunities and access is definitely a critical part of becoming an adult. And having these GSAs available for growing adults is one of the things I value. Okay, so I'd love to hear from you, Coop, to start with.
1: What are some misconceptions you'd like to dispel when it comes to GSAs in our schools?
2: First off, that it's the school doing this. We're here as support. These are all student-led clubs. We have student clubs that are D&D clubs. We have theater clubs. We have fly fishing clubs. They're all student-started, all student-led, and that's the same as it is with these GSAs. So I think that's one of the big misconceptions, that it's... It's our advocacy that is making this happen. It's the students. We're just there as a support role, as the advisors, to help provide guidance, to provide connection, to, to help find those resources that these young humans need. So I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that people have.
1: I, I just wonder if there are any other misconceptions that you three have dealt with in either participation in the clubs or uh, generally that you would like to speak to here as well?
0: Uh, for me personally, I feel like there is a... it's more of like when people think of a GSA, they think, oh, it's the gay club, but it's it's not just a, a gay club. It's, it's a club for everyone. It's called the Gender and Sexuality Alliance, or as it was previously called, the Gay-Straight Alliance, because it's a place for everyone to go. Not, it's not necessarily a place to talk about being gay. It's a place where we support that kind of conversation openly and it's not a place where we necessarily only support that kind of conversation. It's a place where we support all conversation, but we also support this on the side of it. It's not just a place where it's like, oh, it's only gay.
1: So Will, you mentioned this earlier in uh, the podcast. These clubs do so much more that people may not even know what are, what are going on in the clubs, and I think you have a leadership role. Talk just a little bit about some of the activities and the events that are going on in the clubs, but first... Tell us what your role is in in the club. So
0: I I am our president at our GSA. So I kind of help coordinate some of these events, but uh, most most of the work I do is behind the scenes with our Design Justice Club. So when it comes to working on projects like our gender neutral bathrooms, and our um, like our canvas student view uh, pronoun issues and preferred names and nicknames and all this other kind of stuff, we do behind the scenes with our Design Justice team. So. We've been kind of going around, we've been constructing like a, a GSA newsletter where we're going to like output all of these um, projects that schools are working or Well, yeah, schools are working on because we're trying to get information from all of the schools in the Penlapine District to get kind of just some awareness of where, they're, where they are at. And like if they're working on anything in particular that's going to advance kind of uh, some queer issues, So, yeah, like, it's totally not just like a club where it's just purely for gay people to talk. It's like a club where we are there to support them, and we can talk about anything.
1: Quincy and Charlie, what are some of the events that have been impactful or memorable for you?
3: Um, Well, not through my current GSA. I led a training session for a few teachers um, about how really to approach, like, LGBTQIA plus issues such as pronouns and leaving subplans, and et cetera and I think it uh, really opened my mind to um, not only how like open-minded some of these teachers were but how our curriculum and our knowledge throughout the generations is very split and it's not as connected as I once thought it was so it was a really good experience because I got to not only like put myself forward and make things for like teachers as curriculum, but also learn a little bit about what our community as a whole thinks of the LGBTQIA plus community. Charlie?
4: If I understand the question correctly, our school did a day of silence, like officially, and that was really cool. I This is not the first, like, I don't know, interview in air quotes I've done about LGBTQ plus things, because I didn't interview, also in air quotes, for the day of silence at our school.
1: So a a term that is now getting to be kind of common vernacular is being an ally. First of all, what does it mean to be an ally, and secondly, why is it important to be identified as an ally?
2: For me, it's more than being accepting. It's also stepping up and being an advocate for these kids and inviting other advocates to join them again. The, the fact that these are alliances one of the misconceptions I, I agree with is that everything is is gay at a club meeting. There are so many more students that join us we have allies there every meeting and most time it is social time for the for the kids but we do have those opportunities like Charlie was saying about day of silence to to step up and learn how to be advocates in our own world and that for me helping, as an ally the kids to learn how to become those advocates and have their own voice and to find that voice so framing that question up thinking about the three of you both in peer allies and adult allies what would you be looking for what do you think you what do you want in an adult ally what do you want in your peer allies what characteristics
0: me personally i want someone that says more than oh i'm okay with being gay I want someone that's like, wow, there are so many people out there that are gay, that are being openly discriminated against in schools, in public places, just everywhere, that are just facing this strange kind of oppression that shouldn't be happening. So it's. I, I think it's more of like uh, less of the, oh yeah, I'm just okay with you being gay. I think it needs to be more of a, I don't know how best to word this, but like a more of a okay, you're gay, but how can we make you feel comfortable being gay? It's like um, less of a bystander approach, more of like the upstander approach.
1: Wow, that's, that's powerful, Will. You, you used a term, you used two terms that I, 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 want you to, I want you to linger on for just a second. You said upstander versus bystander. What's the difference? I want you to tell me what that means. What's the difference between those terms for you? So
0: I'll start with an upstander. An upstander is someone who will openly advocate and support people for who like, who they are and what their cause is, like just any sort of topic. When you think of an upstander, you think of someone who's standing up for someone or something that they believe in or that they support. It's less of someone who will just, who is a bystander, who will just stand by. They'll just kind of sit on the sidelines and watch as everything happens, not really doing anything. So it's... um more of like a person who will, what we want to see in like allies is people that will be upstanding. People that will, they'll, they'll kind of take the heat for some of these hard topics and they'll, they'll sit down and learn. Like they'll, they'll kind of uh, just be able to be really collective about these things and learn as much as they can so they can help support us more instead of being a bystander, which is someone who's just kind of, again, sitting like totally on the sidelines, uninvolved,
3: um, I think a really cool analogy for upstander and bystander is thinking about a cat stuck in a tree. An upstander is actively trying to get the cat out of the tree, whereas the bystander stares from the trunk at the cat and says, that must suck.
2: Or with their phone out, taking the video. Put the camera down, step up, do something.
3: Okay, so let's, let's go just a little different
1: direction. When are times that you felt supported at school? When are times that you felt... A sense of belonging. Um, there's a there's legislation out this year that we are expected to live by. It's called Every Student Belongs, and it's it's incumbent upon schools schools communities to create environments in which every student feels supported in a sense of belongingness in their schools. And we are trying desperately to create that in each of our schools. It comes through a lot of work, a lot of cultural changes. You might have heard that our schools have implemented. Um, bias reporting so that if there are incidences in which somebody uh, is experiencing microaggressions or different kinds of bullying that there's now a mechanism for reporting that. Um, But what I would like to hear specifically is what are evidences or ways in which you felt supported in your respective schools? Charlie, how about you first?
4: It's always nice when I can go to our school's GSA without some random person walking in the door and being like, is the library open for lunch today? And we have to say no, because that happens a lot. Times when it can sort of just go uninterrupted, and I can just talk with people who sort of understand where I'm coming from.
3: Quincy? I think at my school, the students really create the climate, but also... The extracurriculars really help shape that climate, not just through GSA but through other clubs and activities, and when you create the climate that allows for open-minded, caring individuals, it really helps everyone feel supported regardless of who they are. And At school, it's still a work in progress, but it's definitely getting to the point of individuals feeling comfortable and loving themselves more.
1: Well, do you have anything to add?
0: Yeah, I, I definitely do think that um, our school has been pushing for a more inclusive environment as we definitely had a um, mental health week and that was uh, for the students who used the resources that were provided that was really valuable. And I love to see the participation and the support that people gave during that week. And even just like uh, when I see new students come into our GSA that are allies, it's, it's really, really heartwarming to see that because it's like it's showing that people are taking that extra step to not just be an ally, but they're going to be an ally. They're going to they're going to come in and talk to us and hang out and just have fun. It's it's really great to see that in our, in our school and in our clubs.
1: I just wonder the flip side of that coin too. What are what are evidences of of not making it feel safe? What are the things that could be happening in schools that, that that's obviously not a safe place and if you've experienced those?
3: I think although at my school we create a really caring environment, um other schools don't necessarily like create the same environment for their kids and it ends up in this negative stigma towards the LGBTQIA plus community as a whole. So it's almost kind of like a taboo topic at some of these schools, and it really carries throughout the population. And I think um, sometimes when I like interact with other kids, it's somewhat disheartening because maybe they haven't met the right people or haven't gotten to talk to the right people or anything involving these things that we should be providing to schools. I think it's a hard topic to talk about, but it's also important.
0: I definitely think that our school environment has pushed for more of that, pushed more in the direction of discussing some of these things, although we are definitely not there yet. We're working on it. We're working really hard on that. We're um, doing some stuff with our health curriculum right now in design justice, but it's really disheartening to kind of hear some of these people like kind of cringe at the topic of LGBTQ issues, especially in the uh, health curriculum, when people kind of um, just push it off as like, oh, if you want to know more about it, you can just research it on your own. It's it's more of like, a, this is our health class, this is what you should be teaching us, or this is our history class. We'd like to know more about more specific queer issues or issues that have really affected our LGBTQ community, because a lot of times, at least as far as I'm aware, that has gone pretty un- unacknowledged and unrecognized. So hearing more of that in our, just in our curriculum in general would really open up more of an inclusive environment. It would allow other students who wouldn't normally take the time out of their day to learn about these things to kind of just be there and learn about it and kind of see some of the issues that we face as individuals, so.
4: For me, I've noticed that at our school, though it hasn't really been happen- happening to me directly. I've heard a lot of my friends complain about people just being generally rude about who they are and their identity. And the problem is, like, even if reported, there's not much the school can really do other than, like, oh, a suspension if your parents will let us.
3: And uh, I think it's also a common issue that teachers and other students that aren't necessarily as closely linked to the LGBTQIA community, don't really know how to interrupt said you know microaggressions and potentially hate crimes. They're a little lost and they don't know what to do. So I think it would be important that we teach you know teachers and other classmates really how to interrupt these homophobic and transphobic like microaggressions and hate crimes. So this is
1: a little bit of a call to action for how we can all be better um, what we can do and collectively own. I think I would like to hear, One suggestion from each of you, including you too, Coop. um, What would you like our community to take on and just get a little better at regarding this issue?
3: I would say keep your mind open. Um, If you close yourself off when people are talking to you, you're not really having a conversation in the first place. So uh, if you talk to people, learn a little bit, maybe make a few errors and learn from those errors, um, then you're definitely moving towards the pace of success.
0: I think specifically coming from a design justice point of view is I would I would really like to see uh, just people in the community kind of take on a stance that will push more towards inclusivity for these issues. Um, we've been working a lot with a lot of our queer issues or queer related issues in our school in particular, but also been trying to spread awareness about the steps we're taking to solve some of these issues. Uh, to other schools and I would really really love to see more support on these things and I would love to see more awareness in our communities just about some of these topics and make it more of like a topic that we can all be comfortable talking about whether it's about specific health things, whether it's about history involving our queer communities or whether it's just general everyday conversation with a queer person.
4: I feel like it'd be something that would be helpful is if people would try really hard to pay more attention to what's going on and like look out for like, I don't know, like a bit of discrimination here and there. Like sometimes I think people don't even catch it. Just say anything. Interrupt it however you need to to bring attention to it because that'll usually just stop it right away. That's powerful.
2: Who, final word? From our community, I would love for them to recognize and understand we're talking about all of our human beings. When you look at our numbers, we're talking about a large portion of our students, our families, and the words and actions that we front matter, and how we can um, lean into being inclusive, being supportive. It's going to bring this district so much further, so much faster, With that recognition in ourselves and our own actions and those around us as as charlie mentioned to just make this a safe place our schools have got to be safe for everyone and that goes for like i said our students and our families
1: well thank you all Um, we're glad to have gotten this opportunity to to touch base with each of you Uh, i want to thank my guests our koopman and our students charlie quincy and will for taking on such a powerful topic and uh representing our our schools so well um during pride month and uh, we're grateful for your courage and your willingness to share with us so thank you all right folks the new podcast in our Lapine schools if you're pleased with the work we're doing on these podcasts please remember to subscribe and share your review on your podcast provider or share them through facebook twitter and instagram Additionally, if there are topics you'd like us to take on, please send us a note at podcast at ben.k12.or.us. Also, let us know your thoughts. We are always grateful for the feedback. Thanks for listening to The Soup is On, and please remember to always support public education.